All right. Well, happy Father's Day one more time. We are so excited to have a house full of people in the middle of the summer. They say that numbers are supposed to go down over the summer, but ours have gone up, which is super exciting. Man, give yourselves a hand for being in God's house on Father's Day. Uh, In fact, I was studying some church statistics, and across the nation, Father's Day is like the opposite of Mother's Day. Uh, Father's Day is one of the lowest four Sundays on the calendar for church attendance. Uh, and you, you can read into that what you want about what that says about our dads or what it says about the summer. I don't know what exactly is, it causes that. But Father's Day is not a big day for church attendance. Mother's Day, everybody goes to church. Father's Day, very few people do. And so I'm super excited. Man, I'm just being honest. You guys have exceeded my expectations today looking out at this full house. So, man, thank you very much. And uh, you should be proud of yourself. We do have a gift specifically for our dads today. Uh, when you leave, we've got an IBC root beer for you. Um, it's got a little tie on it. This one says Tyrific Dad. They all have some different tags. So those are just for dads. Uh, don't go trying to sneak one. I don't even get to drink this myself because I don't have any kids. So, Miss Jackie, if you'll take that. That's made of glass. I don't want to keep it up on stage because I can imagine I'll break it in the middle of the message. Uh, but make sure you get that. Then we also are giving away um, our 32-inch flat screen TV and DVD player combo uh, at the end of service today. So if you skip out early, you are not eligible to win. So I will try not to ramble on too long for you. Uh, No, I think it's going to be good. Uh, And we got a couple other prizes for that. And somebody pointed out to me that for Mother's Day, we gave away just like a couple little things to make up. And for Father's Day, we're giving away a 32-inch TV. I just want you to know that it's not because we love dads more than moms. I promise. Uh, We just, when we first took over the church, uh, we didn't have time before Mother's Day to really budget to do Mother's Day as big as we wanted to. So next year, Mother's Day will be bigger. I promise you that, moms. Please do not feel slighted. Uh, But dads, hopefully you will enjoy Somebody will enjoy a 32-inch flat-screen TV. Who's, like, believing in faith that your nickel you just put in, you're getting that TV? Praise God. He's going to bless you for it, a few of you. Awesome. Well, we will see that. Miss Jackie's going to help me with that at the end of service. But before we get to that, um, I wanted to share with you a little bit about dads. And as I was preparing for this message uh, the last couple of weeks, I, I was like, man, where am I going to go with this? Because I'm 31 years old and I don't have any kids, which is a, above average age to not have kids yet. And I, I do want kids and we are planning to have children sometime in the future. And we're excited for that. And we actually want to, to have two of our ki- two kids of our own and we want to adopt two uh, if everything goes according to plan. And if it works out the way that we w- we're hoping for, that's what we'll have is four kids in our family. Uh, And so I was, like, looking for a go-to passage, like, what's just the one awesome section of Scripture about being a great dad? Because we found one uh, on being a great mom for Mother's Day. And there's a lot of verses about fatherhood, and there's a lot of little encouragement here and there. But there wasn't anything that was just a long stretch of verses that we could pull a lot of stuff out of. And so I was like, man, where am I going to go with this? And finally it hit me. I can't teach you about being a dad from my own life, and I couldn't find the, the one passage that I really just felt like was screaming, I've got to preach this, but I do have a dad, and I have been blessed with a great dad. So today, I just want to share with you seven lessons about fatherhood that I've learned from my dad, seven things that I'm going to apply when I have kids, things that I saw my dad do. And after I came up with this idea, I started jotting down notes. This is about two weeks ago. I got excited for it. And my wife, Melody, is actually teaching in juniors today, so she's probably uh, going to be upset she wasn't in here for me to tell this story. But my wife is a big fan of the TV show The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. 
And I've been married about two and a half years. In the two and a half years that I've been married, I've learned that I need to take interest in the things that interest my wife. Uh, so I'm not proud of this. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not encouraging you in this, but I'm admitting and confessing my sins to you. I watched The Bachelor with my wife. Um, not the best show in the world, but we watch it. And so we're watching the, this season of The Bachelorette, and there's this girl on there. Her name's Emily. She's, she's the prize. She's the one that everybody's trying to win. And she's got a kid, uh, I think a five-year-old girl. Uh, and so all of these guys who are competing for her, all these candidates, uh, she's trying to find out who's going to be a good dad, who's going to be the one. And so some of the, these guys have kids of their own, and they're telling her, you know, I know I can be a good dad because here's the, what I've done for the nine years that I've been a dad or the four years I've been a dad. And there's this one guy, and I think his name is Sean. Uh, and Sean, she was sitting down with Sean and, and talking to him about it. And he's like, well, look, I don't have kids. But she said, I know I can tell you I'm going to be a great dad because I had a great dad. And he went on to share all this. And I was like, dude, you stole my message. What are you doing? So if you watch The Bachelor, I promise I had the idea first, all right? I thought of it before Sean, and I'm preaching it anyway, even though he stole it. Just letting you know. Uh, but I want to share seven fatherhood lessons from my dad. My dad's name is David Souden. He turned 68 on Thursday. Uh, he was divorced. He, had, uh, he got married fairly young, got a woman pregnant actually named Sandy. And they had two kids, my older brother John and my older sister Tracy. And when my sister was nine months old, Sandy moved out. She left my dad and moved in with the guy next door. And my dad went on uh, as a single parent to raise my brother and sister up until the time that they were 9 and 11 years old when he met, and actually had met my mom a couple years before, but when he married my mom and, and they got together. And my mom had actually led my dad to Christ, and it's an incredible testimony, and I wish I had time to tell you all about it. I could talk about my dad, like, for hours. Like, I love my dad. And I know there's probably a lot of people who don't have that and haven't had that experience, and I'm not trying to, to rub anybody's face in it. I just, I was blessed with a really good dad, and, and I love him so much. My dad is my favorite person in the world, by far. I, I could just spend hours and hours and hours with my dad if that opportunity was there. Now, my dad lives in North Carolina. I only get to see him once or twice a year right now, so we're not as physically close as I would like to be, but I have an, an incredible bond and admiration for him. And so I want to just share you some things that, that he taught us growing up, some things that he told us, some things that he modeled for us, maybe some lessons that he doesn't even realize that he passed on, but things that I saw my dad do that have inspired me that this is how I want to be when I'm a dad. And so the first thing that I remember that I've heard from me and probably two years old, as long as I can remember, my dad taught us this. He said, love your wife first. Or he didn't actually put it in those words. He said, my obligation to you, the best thing I can do for you, Troy, is to love your mom. And he's done that. He's modeled it. My parents have been married for 32 years, coming up on 33 years. Um, and, and again, my dad's not perfect. He's uh, had, a, had a divorce. He's had some stuff in his past. And so I'm not trying to worship or idolize my dad or say that he's had it all together. But Man, my dad loves my mom. He puts my mom above every one of their kids. And one thing that I've seen as I've gotten older and that's really broken my heart is so many of my friends that did have both of their parents who were still together, and, and many of them did not, but many of them that did, when they got out of high school, when they went off to college or they went off to work, then mom and dad divorced. And it's something that, that's actually fairly common in this day and age. And it's this whole idea of stay together for the kids. 
Like, I don't really like you. You don't really like me. But we're going to fake our way through it until the kids are out of the house. We're going to stay together for the kids. And I understand the heart behind that. I understand that, hey, it's better for our kids if we stay together. And I get that. But it's better for your kids if you love each other. They can tell if mom and dad are just staying together for them. They can tell if mom and dad have a household of animosity, of anger, of resentment, of bitterness. And so my dad made it clear to us our whole life, yeah, Troy, I love you, but I love your mom more. Yeah, I care about you, but you are number two in our house behind your mom. She comes first. And you know what? I didn't always love that. Because there were times that, man, mom and I didn't see eye to eye, and I'd go to dad, and I'd be like, look, dad, I know you see with, I know you got my back on this, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad that my parents are still together. I'm so glad that my mom and my dad still love each other. And I think this is the way that God intended for it to be. Ephesians 5, 28 through 20, or 20, excuse me, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25, says, Husbands, love your wives. How much? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How much did Christ love the church? He died for the church. That's how much a husband is supposed to love his wife. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And then verse 28 says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I heard a preacher one day say that there's a reason why God didn't tell women to love their husband the same way that they love their own bodies, because men love their bodies and women don't love their bodies. He said, you can get the ugliest, nastiest, most overweight dude, and you put him in front of the mirror, and he's like flexing, like slicking his hair back, like, yeah, what's up? He said, you can get the hottest, most beautiful, gorgeous woman on earth and put her in front of the mirror, and she's finding seven things wrong. So God says, husbands, love your wife the same way you love your own body. You like yourself, dudes. You're proud of yourself. Love your wife in the same way. That's how much our wife is supposed to matter. And I think the greatest thing you can ever do for your kids, if if you are together, if you are still married to their parent right now, is make that spouse a priority. Now, obviously, I know that in a group this size, we've got all kinds of situations here. We've got divorced families. We've got people who've had kids who were never married. We've got all kinds of situations. And, yes, there's many, many more things to parenting than just staying with the other spouse. But, man, if you can, if you are still together, if you are married right now, if you're going to get married one day, make the spouse the number one priority. Don't ever make the mistake of making your kids more important than your spouse. So that's the first thing Dad taught me. The second thing. Dad didn't so much teach me, but he just modeled for me. You know how some things are caught rather than taught? Well, Dad taught us this, love your kids enough to discipline them. My dad was a spanker. I don't know if you grew up in a house with a spanker, uh, but I grew up that way. Some, I know in our modern day and age, maybe that's not as popular, but our dad knew how to whoop our butts. In fact, my dad liked to spank us so much. I'm just kidding. He didn't like to spank us. But he knew how to spank us so much that he had different spanking devices. I don't know if anybody had this. Like It depended on the, the offense, what you were getting whooped with. He had, he had a wooden stick, uh, which I guess was like a piece of molding. He had a plastic spoon, and then he had the belt. And everybody knows about the belt. If you had a dad that whooped you with the belt, you know how dad would pull it out, and he'd make sure that it just made the popping sound uh, as many times as possible. The belt was like for the worst offenses. And as he pops it, and then dad would actually take it in half and like snap it just to make sure you knew what that belt could do before he whooped you. And, And then he would look at you, and he'd say those words, and I'm sure your dad said the same thing. What did he say? 
this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And he said, but it's because I love you so much that I'm going to do this. And, you know, when we'd look back and be like, yo, Dad, we love you too. Give me the belt. Like, come on. You know, didn't work that way. Didn't, didn't work out that way. But he loved us enough to discipline us. He loved us enough to spank us. And I was like the people pleaser. I'm still a people pleaser. It's one of the greatest challenges that I have in life is I want to make everybody happy. And as a pastor, that is impossible. I have learned that very quickly. There's too many people in my life for me to make everybody happy. And so I've had to learn to prioritize. I've had to learn to say no, and I hate it. No is, is not an easy word for me to say. But as the people pleaser, I did not want to get spanked. Like it was a big ordeal for me if I got a spanking because I let mom and dad down. My brother took it as like a challenge. How many swats do you think you can get? Uh, I, was, I was on the other end of that spectrum. So I didn't get spanked too often, but I did get spanked enough to know that dad loved me and that he wasn't afraid to hurt me. Uh, and if you're a father, man, I would encourage you. Discipline your kids. I'm not saying that spanking is the only discipline. I think it's a good one. I think it's effective. I know it worked for me. But I would encourage you, love your kids enough to draw a line for them. Love your kids enough to say no. Hebrews chapter 12, talking about our Heavenly Father. In verse 5, it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Very clear that that God intended for the father to play the role as the disciplinarian. And now that doesn't mean that mom can't discipline. Mom spanked us too, but man, mom spankings were nothing compared to dad spankings. If mom spanked us, it was like, oh man. I guess I shouldn't have done that. If dad spanked us, it was like we knew it. He, he wasn't coming home until 5 o'clock, and we're watching the clock until dad got home. It's like, oh, my gosh, let's get this over with. Uh, it was much more painful when dad gave us a spanking, and he just he had that role in our life where he was a disciplinarian. And I think dads should take that role. Uh, I heard a story about a dad who sent his son to bed. His son was like six years old, and he said, okay, son, it's time for bed. And so the kid goes to bed. And about five minutes later, he yells to dad. He says, dad. And dad's like, what? He's like, I'm thirsty. Can I get some water? And dad says, no, it's time for you to be in bed. You can't get any water. A couple minutes later, dad, what? Dad, I'm thirsty. Can I get some water? He's like, no, I already told you no. If you ask again, I'm going to have to spank you. A few minutes later, kid yells, dad. Dad's like, what? Kid says, when you come to spank me, will you bring me some water? That's the dad who's got it right. He knew where to draw the line. He knew what to discipline. The kid knew, hey, if I break the rules, I'm getting the whooping, but I got to get some water. So he made the request. But, man, love your kids enough to discipline them. As a youth pastor, I've seen so many students come through that have completely different parents in their life. I've seen everything on the spectrum. But one of the things that that breaks my heart the most is the kid who does have both parents in his life, the kid who who probably comes from the upper-middle-class home that has a decent amount of money, but who has parents that will never discipline him, that has parents who let them get away with everything. And I'm like, oh, man, your kid has everything. He's so blessed. He has everything that, that God could have provided for him except parents who love him enough to say no. Parents who love him enough 
to draw the line. Man, dads, discipline your kids. I know I'm going to discipline mine, and they're going to love me anyway. My dad spanked me, and he's my favorite person in the world. Spanking your kid does not keep your kid from loving you. Don't ever believe that. Number three thing that my dad taught us, and again, this is one that he really modeled for us more than he taught us, but take interest in the things that interest your kids. My brother and I are so different. If I liked something, he was three years younger than me, and pretty much if I liked something, he decided he didn't. So anything that I got into, he got into the the complete opposite set of things. And my brother actually takes after my dad way more than I do. Their personalities are far more similar, their their interests, the things that they're good at, their gifts. My, My brother is very, very much like my father. And so my brother was into, like, construction I barely know how to hold a hammer. My brother was into, like, skateboarding. My brother was into, like, uh, just uh, the opposite end of things than I was in. Wrestling. My brother wrestled. I never had interest in wrestling in my life. Like, if I'm going to – I want to – I'll play football and hit somebody. If I'm going to tackle you, like, there's a ball that I'm trying to get loose. I don't just tackle guys to tackle guys. It's just not my thing. Uh, But my brother and my dad, that's how they were. And so dad would get down and roughhouse with Nick, and he'd body slam Nick, and they'd go at each other for hours on end, it seemed like. And I just kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, I do not get it. I never got it. I'm sure my kids are going to love it, and I'm going to have to learn to. But he found something – that I was into, that he hated. And he said, you know what? If my son cares about it, I'm going to learn to care about it. And so I can remember being seven years old playing community center soccer. My dad's like the most American patriotic. Soccer is the enemy of the devil. It's like we go to war with countries that play soccer kind of guy. And so I got into soccer. And within one year, my dad started coaching soccer. I have no idea. This is how bad our league was, by the way, that my dad hated soccer his whole life and knew nothing about it. He could be a coach the next year. Uh, But he started coaching soccer. Didn't know what he was doing, but he started looking it up. He started trying to learn because he liked soccer. Not at all. He hated it, but he loved me. I think a lot of times dads make the mistake of hoping and praying that their kid takes after all their interests. I know I do. I know I'm praying that my kid's into baseball and I can play catch with them, and I'm praying that that my kid will be into the same things I'm into. But chances are at least one of them is not going to be. And as a dad, your responsibility is to find a way to connect with your kid. It's not to make your kid like the stuff you're into. It's to connect with the things that will open the door for you to connect with your child. Take interest in the things that they're into. I mean, it's the same thing as a husband's. Take an interest in The Bachelor, not into The Bachelor, not something I would ever watch. But you know what? My wife's important to me. And because I care about her, I take interest in the things she's into. And I'm that guy, if I watch something, there's like a point about 10 minutes in where I'm like, i got to turn this off. I can't watch it anymore. But if I push past that point, I'm going to get into it no matter what. It's just the way it is. You saw that dad life video. He's like crying at Aladdin. He's like got tears in his eyes. That's going to be me. Like, I'm going to be crying with my kids watching their movies because if I force myself to watch it, I will get into it. I'm not going to watch it and be bored. Uh, Find something your kids are interested in that you are not and find a way to connect with them. Get into the things that they're into. Number four thing that my dad taught me, one of the things that I'm most proud of about my father is he taught us to sacrifice to help the poor. My dad was a bus driver for most of his life. Uh, in Seattle, Washington. He was a city bus driver. He didn't make a ton of money. My mom homeschooled us. They made a decision very early on that she was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And so we lived 
paycheck to paycheck. There was even a, a season in life where we had to go to the food bank. We didn't have a whole lot. A whole lot of people have less than us. I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me. We were very blessed. Obviously, I've eaten. So I'm not saying that. Uh, but <laughs> we didn't have a ton. And yet, even in the, in the lack that we had, even in the stuff that we did not have, my dad made sure to watch out for people who had less than us. As a bus driver, he would drive a downtown route through Seattle. And on at least three times that I remember, and probably a few more that I don't because I was so young, Dad brought home a homeless person to live with us for a period of time, to take the extra bedroom in our house. Because he saw somebody had a greater need than we did. Brought home somebody we didn't even know. Didn't know anything about him. He took a risk. I mean, really, looking back, he, I'm like, wow, I was four years old, and we had homeless people living in our house. Like, he risked my life. Thanks, Dad. Uh, but I love the fact that my dad cared so much about people who had less, that he would bring them into our home. When I was about six, we had some neighbors at the end of our road whose house caught on fire. The house burned down, pretty much destroyed everything. Within two days, my dad had invited them to live with us. And they lived with us for about three months until they were able to find a different living situation. When I was going into my senior year in high school, there was a kid named Lonnie that I worked with. My parents let him come and live with me and and be my roommate because he didn't have a place to stay. It was just something my parents always did. And it wasn't just in allowing people to come live with us. They found other ways that, hey, we're going to help the poor. We're going to remember how blessed we are. And we're going to find a way to reach out to somebody who has less. And I think that is so the heart of God the Father. I'm so glad to have a dad who sees things that way. Proverbs 29 verse 7 says, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. If you're going to be a righteous dad, if you're going to be a righteous father, you better care about the poor. You better care about people who have less. And you better do it out in front of your kids. Let your kids be a part of it. Take your kids down to the homeless shelter with you to serve, to experience it, to get to know uh, the people down there. Let them see that those are just people just like us. Get them involved. Care about the poor. The next thing that my dad did that he taught me was to worship unashamed. My dad, and if he listened to the podcast, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm about to tell on you, but my dad cannot sing. It's just, I mean, I can't sing, but dad really can't sing. Like, dad is tone deaf. Like, if you look it up in the dictionary, there's David Souten. It's just the way it is. I love you, pops. Uh, But not a very good voice. Not blessed with that at all. And from the time, as long as I can remember, my dad was singing songs to Jesus. Uh, My dad, when he got saved, he started writing songs on his guitar. And he wasn't the world's greatest guitar player, but he was a whole lot better at guitar than he was singing. And so he'd get his guitar out, and he'd he'd write songs, and he'd sing to Jesus. I can remember coming to church with dad, and dad raising his hands and entering in and, and tears in his eyes to worship God. From a very, very young age, I remember my dad, who was a big guy. My dad was a Marine. He was a tough guy, never showed pain, didn't usually show a lot of emotion. But my dad was never too good to worship his Savior. My dad always remembered what he was saved from, what God had delivered him from, and it meant something to him. And fathers, I encourage you, worship unashamed. Worship Jesus without shame. Enter in, even if it's not natural, even if it's not comfortable. Start now. Start while your kids are young. Start whatever age they are. Show your kids that there's a God who's worthy to be praised. 
I'm so glad that my dad modeled that for me, and, and I believe that he passed on a heart to worship inside of me. I also cannot sing. I will never lead worship at a church as much as that'd be the greatest thing. If I could, like, pick one thing to do, I would lead worship. I'm, somebody else can pastor. Somebody else can preach. Just let me sing. Not in my DNA. God did not distant for that to happen for me. But I love to worship, and I love to enter into God's presence. And here's the other thing on that I want to say. Not just at church. It's important to worship at church, but dad worshiped at home. Dad worshiped in his free time. We don't just come together to worship God. We should come together to worship God, but it should be the overflow of what's going on throughout the week. It should be what's going on in our daily life. And dad did that time and time and time again, where we set aside time as a family to worship Jesus. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will extol, extol the Lord. I will worship the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Another translation says his praise will continuously be on my lips. We don't just worship him during a few songs on Sunday morning. We should constantly be worshiping him, not just with singing, with our words, with our actions, but we should definitely be lifting him up and singing. Number six thing that my dad taught me about being a father. Dad taught me it's never too late to make a difference. Maybe you're here today and you feel like I've kind of blown it. Maybe you haven't been the best father. Maybe you've missed some opportunities. Maybe your kids are grown and out of the house. Maybe you're getting older in life and you feel like your opportunities are starting to wind down. Like the the greatest things that God had you here for are in the rearview mirror. Well, my dad, like I said, he's 68 years old. And at 65, my dad, actually 66 years old, two years ago, my dad accepted an opportunity to spend 90 days driving a bus across northern United States, Minnesota, North Dakota, and southern central Canada, uh, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, um, Winnipeg, Manitoba, that's the one, uh, and Ottawa. He drove the African Children's Choir for 90 days. Uh, And the African Children's Choir is basically an organization which brings kids over from Africa who have incredible singing skills, um, and they're raising money for orphanages in Africa. They spent 90 days on the road at 66 years old where my dad was mentoring these little eight, nine-year-old Uh, Ugandan kids. He loved it. It It's the greatest experience of his life. It's two years later, and he still won't shut up about it. I'm like, Dad, I don't know these kids. Stop. But he can't quit talking about it because it was such an incredible experience for him. He didn't say, hey, I'm 66. I'm over the hill. That's a young man's opportunity. He had the opportunity. Somebody extended it to him, and, and my dad and my mom both, they went out on the road, and they fell in love with some kids, and they made a difference. He didn't just do that, but my dad is also a mentor. Uh, to a young 12-year-old from our church back, back in our home county in North, Rutherford County, North Carolina. There's a young boy there named, whose name is actually Christian uh, who's got some severe learning disabilities. My dad spends two days a week hanging out with Christian, taking him out to eat, taking him to a ball game, just loving on him, pouring into his life. It's not too late for you to make a difference. I don't care what situation you're in. There is a generation... <laughs> of kids who don't have dads. And whether you were a good dad or a bad dad or never a dad, there's somebody out there that needs a dad. I would encourage you, find an opportunity to pour into somebody's life who isn't even your own biological child. Find a chance to be a spiritual father to somebody. I'm so proud that my dad has done that. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you're still on earth, there's good works which he prepared for you to do, which you haven't accomplished. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't shut down. Keep going. Number seven, last thing that my dad taught me, definitely the most important, 
Is that an earthly father, isn't it? My dad taught me very early on that I had to have a heavenly father, that he, as great of a dad as I thought he was and as imperfect and flawed as he truly was, he knew that he wasn't enough. And I had to get to know my heavenly father. And so my dad, when I was two and a half years old, my dad in my bedroom told me about Jesus. And I was speaking in complete sentences at 18 months, so they decided I was ready to get saved. And my dad told me about Jesus, and he he knelt with me beside the bed. And I prayed to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. And I don't know if I really got saved at that point. I don't know if I was really old enough and really understood what I was doing. I like to think I did because I like to be an overachiever. But I don't know. Uh, But I do know that my dad started teaching me right away that I needed a heavenly father. And that he showed me, he modeled it for me. He made it very clear that he was not enough. It doesn't matter what your dad's situation is. You need a heavenly father. You can have the greatest father here on earth. You can have the worst. But our heavenly father's enough. He's the God of abundance. He's the God of more than enough. And he will love you. He will be there for you. He will watch out for you. Every single one of us needs to get to know our heavenly father. Matthew 5:48 says that your heavenly father is perfect. I love that. Aren't you glad we have a heavenly father that's perfect? I know as an earthly father, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm okay with that. I've accepted it. I like to think that I'll be pretty good, but chances are I'm going to make a big fool of myself many times. You guys will have to help me. you have to teach me. Some of you guys who've been fathers for a long time come around me and and point out the things that I can do better. I want to be a great dad one day, but I'll never be perfect, and neither will you. But our Heavenly Father is perfect. And even if you don't have a dad today, even if your dad is nowhere to be seen, or maybe you had a dad for a season, and like Mr. Bill said, your dad has gone on to be with the Lord, or maybe he passed away when you were young, or whatever your situation might be, know this. You can have a perfect dad. You can have a dad that never leaves you, that never forsakes you. You can have a dad who's with you through every situation you face in this life. So what do we do with this? How do we respond today? If you got a dad here on earth, honor him. Man, go all out. Make a big deal about your dad. There's a whole lot of people that don't even have one. Be blessed that you do. If you are a dad today, commit to being a better one. Not that you're bad, not that that you're struggling, but man, all of us can continue to improve. Maybe one of these things I shared with you today is an area that that maybe you haven't walked all the way through yet. And maybe you can take a step and become just a little bit better dad with one of these things. If you know the perfect father in heaven today, honor him, worship him, love him, tell him you appreciate him. Set aside some time today, just one-on-one, just to go tell Heavenly Father, Happy Father's Day. I love you, Daddy. Let him know what he means to you. And if you don't know your Heavenly Father today, I would love to introduce you to him. I would love to give you a chance to get to know him today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know the Heavenly Father, if you're here today and you've never taken that step to to get to know that perfect Heavenly Father, an earthly father's not enough. But our Heavenly Father is more than enough. And I'd love to introduce you to Him today. If you're here today and that's you and you want to take that step, you want to commit your life to follow this Heavenly Father who loved you so much, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for you, that your sins could be forgiven. He knew every mistake you'd ever make, every time you'd ever deny Him, every time you'd ever say no, and He died for you anyway. If that 
sounds like a good deal to you. If that sounds like a point that you are at in your life and you want to take that step today, I just want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you before you go. Say, yes, I'm ready to make him my father, to meet my heavenly father. Praise God. Praise God. Secondly, if you're here today and Father's Day is just challenging for you, maybe you are a dad and you don't have access to your kids. Maybe you don't know your dad. Maybe your dad has passed away. Maybe you do know your dad, but the relationship isn't strong. I just want to pray God's peace, God's restoration in that situation, whatever it might be. Nobody looking around. If you just want to slip up your hand and say, yeah, pray for me on this Father's Day. I got some stuff. I got some issues I need to take care of. Praise God. Anybody else before I pray? Father God, you see these hands, Lord. You see everyone that stretched their hand and said, I'm going through some stuff. I've got some challenges as a father. I've got some challenges as a child with my dad, whatever they may be. God, I don't know their situations, but I don't have to know because you do. And Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would step into their situation. God, I pray first of all that you would give them peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that you would love on them. God, that you would give them wisdom if there's steps they need to take to to restore the situation. Lord, I pray for young people who maybe don't have a biological father in their life, but maybe have a stepdad. God, I pray that they would begin to see the blessing of that stepdad, that person that stepped into their life. Lord, I pray for, for people who don't have any male role model. Lord, I pray that you would put somebody in their life, maybe even someone from this church, to step in and be a spiritual father in their life. To to step in and be that role model for them, God. Lord, I just pray that you would move in every one of these situations. And we thank you for what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Before we go, uh, we've got stuff to give away, but before we do that, i got a couple things I want to tell you about here on Father's Day. First of all, we've got Freedom Fest coming up on the 4th of July, which is the next holiday on the calendar, just a couple weeks away. Get ready for that. Uh, We're going to have a service here on the 4th of July at 7 o'clock, a joint 662 and City Church service. Then we're going to do a a cookout out in the parking lot, watch the fireworks, uh, join us for Freedom Fest. Oh, and then also we're going to go out into the park and help clean up uh, afterwards. Love on our city. Take ownership of Olive Branch. It's going to be great. VBS, you know about July 16th through the 19th. That's going to be for ages five years old uh, through rising sixth graders. Here's the TV coming on out. Everybody's starting to drool. Uh, Get ready. Be prayed up. Intercede right now. Just start praying in the spirit. I'm just kidding. Uh, We'll see. Somebody's name's coming out of there in a second, or somebody's card, actually. Um, Next, uh, Kid City Teachers Meeting is next Sunday, June 24th. We put it up on Facebook, but if you're not on Facebook or you haven't had a chance to see that, we are having a meeting for our teachers next Sunday after church. We're going to feed you uh, and just kind of introduce you to our new Kid City Director, Mr. Damian Danford, if you haven't got to know him yet, uh, and walk you through some of the stuff going on in Kid City. So we'd love to have you at that meeting. If you can join us, if you can't, just let us know, and we'll make sure and get you all the information. Um, And then finally, next steps. If you would like to join City Church, we've had a whole bunch of people express interest in in joining the church. What do I have to do? We have a process called Next Steps. It's a four-week course uh, where we just kind of walk you through the basics of who we are, what we do, and how you can be a part of it. Uh, That's going to start on July the 15th. We'll have a sign-up sheet for that starting next week, but I just wanted to make sure everybody knows that is coming up July the 15th. We're going to kick that off with a meeting after church on the 15th, and then we'll go over uh, the other things uh, for next steps at that meeting. All right, without further ado, we've got a couple things to give away. First of all, uh, we're going to give away the movie Courageous. So we're going to do one, two, and then three. The TV will be third. So maybe you don't want your number to...